This is MGIF, a travelling podcast featuring cosy, funny and interesting game-leaning chats with a variety of folk from all across the country, but mostly London because that's where I live. Come with me on a journey peppered with the sounds of travel, the outdoors and the hubbub of various middle-class outlets as we chat games, culture and anything else we want to talk about because it's my podcast and I can do what I want, okay? That podcast once again... It's MGIF. Hello, here we go. It is episode four, season five, with Lauren Kay. Lauren is a presenter, and she has her fingers in lots of pies. She is the host of the She Plays Games podcast, and the co-founder of the YouTube channel Final Fantasy Union. Amongst many, many other initiatives that she gets herself involved with, all whilst managing being a mother of two children. We talk about something Lauren and I did together called Photo Mode. You'll hear more about that. We talk about being a parent of children and getting literally anything else done at the same time. We talk about your friend and mine, or is it? Yes, that's right, capitalism. We talk about games as an art form versus games as a product. I mentioned The Last Guardian. No, really, I do. Lauren's Final Fantasy YouTube channel and why Final Fantasy X Seymour is a great villain. There's a quick touch on Last of Us 2. There is a spoiler in there. I'm sure we've all played it by now, but just so you know, there is a Last of Us 2 spoiler hidden away. We talk about Lauren's podcast, She Plays Games. And somehow, somehow, I end up talking about Gex again. Lauren mentions Gex, and despite my efforts to keep it off this program, <laughs> It seems to be the favourite of many people. I met up with Lauren at Victoria Station in London and we shuffled our way over to the nearby Eccleston Yards, which is a sort of marketplace with places to get coffee and little shops and a nice sort of outdoor plaza, as they say. Um, they say that because that's what it's called. And we sit down and have some coffee in the sunshine it was still summer do you remember summer god it's nice wasn't it and that is where you join us now so let's get into it mgif with lauren k Where'd you go, sorry? We just went to... That one's yours, that one's yours. Yeah. Um, we went to uh, Holland Park. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I will have done, but... Mm. Did it stick in the mind? No. So, the reason why we went is because, like, Daryl and I have always wanted to go to Japan. We still haven't Ooh, gone yet. Yeah, I'd love to. The desperation is... is <laughs> it's going. Because it was, like, so much of, like you're not allowed to go to Japan now. I think it's, like, made the strength, yeah. the strength of the want even harder. <laughs> and um, so because of that, I had the idea, well, why don't I just make it, like, a Jap- like a Japan-type day? So we went, well, I mean, I know Bao isn't necessarily Japanese, but we went to <laughs> yeah, yeah. an Asian-style restaurant. 
which was nice, flesh and bun. And then um, from there, we decided that we were going to go to Holland Park, which has a really lovely um, the Kyoto Garden section that was dedicated to uh, the people of uh, the Fukushima reactor. So it was built in honor of that. Wow. And, um, yeah, I just felt like it kind of had that Japanese feel... Like yeah. away from Japan, which was nice, Getting and it's one of the only places that's like that, mm. sort of in England, which is interesting. But mm. um, but yeah, so we walked around, we saw all the flamingos, and we just walked around nature for a while. It was just so nice. Have you seen? Um, there's a YouTube channel called Rumbalak. Oh, that's What's that good. One about? So it's a, a Japanese guy who he has like uh, a, a huge kind of video DSLR setup 4K video camera yeah. that he's got on like a gimbal a steady cam thing and I think it's like on his chest or something like yeah. that and it's like 4K uh, 60 frames and it sounds like I'm talking about games now and then <laughs> and, he, and he just takes like un, uncut like two hour walks around different places in, in Japan you know I think I might have seen does he do like cities as well yeah like yeah cities, cities country yeah. everywhere and he just walks so great isn't it and like gets stuff out of like vending machines and stuff and I was yeah. like sometimes you just sit and watch that as like yeah. a real chill out like oh it's nice it's like, like your way of virtually getting a holiday yeah yeah, yeah. going there and being like oh my god look but at you don't this. have to and deal with the sickness yeah or, <laughs> or any of the you. stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> The only thing I miss is the fact that, like, you can't actually really get the food vibes and the food smells. Maybe yeah. If you just, they need to come out with a smell of vision so that you could just smell yeah. as well as you're walking past. You could stick that on, and then yeah. you could put on, turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. But we've just, we're not just bought, actually, it's a little while ago, because mm-hmm. our you went, bleep, and yeah. we bought um, an ambilight. Oh, it's just cool. real cute, real cool when you turn the lights off and it just glows on the back of the yeah. wall, right? So do that, and then just get a load of like Japanese food and like get it really, like the smell as you can find, like get the misos steaming up and like, and then just set all up and then watch a run black. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that would be so really good. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> like for me, it's anytime I watch a Studio Ghibli film, they always make me hungry. If you watch the beginning of Spirited Away. Yes. And I know that they turn into pigs, but holy hell, <laughs> what I wouldn't give to have that smorgasbord of just food. Yeah. You'll take the hit on them turning into oh pigs. Oh my gosh, it's like, yeah. It's fine, it's fine. I could chill as a pig, you know, nobody would judge me. i just roll around in mud and oink at people. It'd be great. It would be so good. I'd be well fed. If <laughs> exactly. I could be well fed. That's all happy. we need. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to set up the big mags so we can it. chill. Oh, so we found a spot. We're chilling. Yeah. We're in, what was it? Eccleston Yards. Eccleston. Oh. It's interesting because one of the moms where I live that goes to school with Ali, um, her mm. last name is Eccles. Oh. Kind of like, it's kind of like Eccles. 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 But no, I've it's never so heard of, there's so many places in London that I just like, you just never know about. You just sort of walk past and you think like, yeah, I would have never known that this is here. Well, I've been here, I've been here like, over 10 years now mm. and you don't and number one is when you live here you end up not going anywhere which oh, is yeah. pathetic ridiculous it's great um, <laughs> but I think I think actually with Covid and coming back out of it it's still around but the lockdown I mean specifically yeah yeah <laughs> um, I think a lot of people made more an effort to be like oh it is around we should probably now take advantage like of explore. it or appreciate the yeah. ability to explore right so we've done a bit more of that but yeah, this is just like a little markety 
place, a little central bit with some shops and coffee shops and restaurants, cafes around yeah. it. It's just really nice. sweet. It's just like, it's always those things that make me like think like, oh, what I wouldn't give to like, just maybe move to London. Yeah. <sighs> it's it's a very complicated thing. I mean, obviously like with the games industry as well, like it's it does make things complicated being outside it. Yes, which but is a bit of a problem in itself. Everything yeah. being so London centric, right? And oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. I have so many center. friends in the North who, like I really feel for them because it's like, you know, the amount of money they have to shell out to go to a decent event is yeah. just astronomical for them to have to go to develop, like develop the events like develop should be traveling events. Yeah. Like yeah. they should be ones that go all the way around. Absolutely should be. But they just won't, they just won't change, won't change their ways. But they like, won't change their way. If they realize like how much money, you know, how much benefit it is to be able to include people from the north in the conversation and allow them to be able to go to these things. Exactly. Oh, that's my dang wind flying around. How dare it! I've littered. Uh. I'm going to collect it. <laughs> oh, you get to hear my dad noises as I go. That's fine. That's fine. I'll move mine too so that mine doesn't escape. Um, yeah, yeah. There was um. So, us two games do a. Or did I'm not I'm not sure if they've still got it running at the moment. Or oh, they do they do it then they do it uh, everywhere. Yeah. There's an initiative called Puck in Play, which was started by that's oh. really me sitting down. Yes, yes, Puck yes. We called Puck in Play. Yeah. <laughs> which is um yeah you know it's, it's um, allowing people of color a space to come together and talk about these things and they usually have someone a speaker on. Yeah. Or you just gather like have some food, have some drinks. Um, alcoholic or non-alcoholic, depending what you want, which yeah. is good. No pressure on that front either, which is nice. Um, and when it was at us two, uh, us two games offices in Oval, they um, they had like a bursary that they used to do to get someone from mm. Manchester or just not London to be yeah. able to travel down and attend and be part of it. So it's not. Yeah, so it takes that London-centric element of it, or you know, goes a small way to doing that anyway. Yeah, no, of course. But yeah, it's such a such a lack of it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we did it with um with the photo shoot that we did together as well, Mm. because Limit Break helped to do the travel bursaries and the the amount of people who came who said that they wouldn't have been able to do it without that bursary. Exactly. It's just like insane. We should talk about that. Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, that was really uh, fun. Another guest on this uh, series was Lana Zagombich, who was part Mm. of uh, Limit Break. Yeah. Um, And we were talking about that a bit, but we haven't, we didn't talk much about uh, photo mode. What's that? I know, photo mode. Well, photo mode came out of something, because I'm always sort of thinking about ways that I can help like ways that I can sort of make SPG as a way of like helping more people and you know funds wise you're always quite limited when Mm. you don't have the funds to be able to do things yes so um as much as I love like having these ideas I'm also like just how can I actually make this happen so thankfully limit break really really helped uh with that regard and so did uh 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 take two uh interactive helped us let us use their space which mm. was phenomenal because we spent ages trying to look for a space you and i yeah we did we i know did. which we i did. yeah like i mean so anyway uh, sort of the basis we'll get to like the beginnings of it but like mm. essentially the idea was is that 
I thought, you know, there's a lot of people who get really incredible headshots with things like um, ensemble and like that type of thing. But yeah. like those kind of opportunities are very rare. And I come from theater where you get a head new headshot like every six months, you yeah. know, like you're always getting new headshots. Updating it, yeah. And it's not really a thing. It's not really a th- something that's seen as a thing in other industries, even though it does kind of it does kind of matter in the sense of like when you put yourself on you have a professional profile on LinkedIn Hmm. the first thing that people will look at is your photo like I mean it's nothing it's nothing like superficial or like sort of um um shallow about it it's just that people will see you and what you want to do is hopefully show you in your best self whether or not that's like extremely corporate-y or it's you just in your element doing what you love or Hmm. like something that looks like you're creating something it just has to look a high quality photo of you just being you. And so I was just like, well, you know, there's a lot of people who probably can't afford to get those kind of photographs done all the time. Um, And I just thought, okay, well, you know, why don't I just try and put together an event like that? And then that's when I came to you to see if you were interested because I knew you. Yeah, I think think, uh, Anissa recommended me right all the yeah. uh, people in the in the game slack it was a, like, yeah it was the game slack yeah the uk gary. game slack yeah 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 <laughs> gary get gary and um i was so nervous because i was just like oh what if he says no or what if like it's just not a good idea i mean i guess that's a thing you just kind of let it go but um yeah. but i just was like all right let me like let me just ask and see and um then you were just so you were so happy to do it and i was just <laughs> like yay okay cool um and yeah. um yeah, and it just kind of went from there, and it became the hunt for the location, um, which we had a lot of trouble with just because of, like, you know, it's whether or not you want to choose to use a lot of the funds towards buying, like, an Airbnb-type place or a mm. photo shoot room, mm. and the photo shoot room can also just not give you the effect that you wanted where it's, yep. like, you know, that sort of hipstery really good lighting but not like super white all those photos all those places that we were looking at like all the photo shoot places it's all just like white backdrops mm-hmm. and you're just like well you know that's great for maybe your driver's license mm. but like i wanted something that looked a bit more cozy a bit more lived in yeah and um yeah we had we had a few no's from other studios but then take two just said like you know that they were happy to, and that was a lot thanks to um, the efforts of uh, Dom Shaw from Yuki, mm. who, bless him, he he just he just kind of put the feelers out there, um, and eventually, yeah, Take Two, uh, we got in contact with Take Two, and they were happy to come on and and let us use their space, which was an incredible space. It was great. It was yeah. really handy, and yeah, we put a really good team together there and it worked yeah, yeah just a nice co- like coalition of folk who all did their part that that, that made it work you know it was cool. oh my gosh yeah really nice yeah and it, it almost became like a networking event as well because yeah. like all of us got to know each other we had so much time that we were spending with each other um and um yeah we had food it was just really chill um yeah but but yeah it's just one of those things where i just 
I just really, I was really happy that I got it done. I was really happy that I got that out there. <laughs> like, it worked. And yeah. like, it worked. Yeah. And yeah. Um, cool. people seem to respond really well to it. I see everybody's using the photos, which is nice. Yes, yes. Um, Always and good. <laughs> yeah, they're great photos. They're really great photos. And um, yeah, I think it's, I think it's just that thing. It's that one, it's just that one little step that they didn't have to worry about, hmm. you know, and having their bursaries covered as well. Um, even yeah. just a part of it. It's huge, yeah. Really helped as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was completely free. Uh, photo shoot for people. And hopefully, yeah, it's made it's it's made some difference in somebody who's falling on their site to say like, oh, yeah. they, this is a person. This isn't just like somebody's random eye or... <laughs> yes. Or like, yeah. you know, that sort of really great, super grainy... Um, photo that hasn't <laughs> been updated in years type yeah, of thing exactly. it's like if that's your vibe that's that's totally fine but i just was like you know let's let's let the people who want to have nicer photographs of themselves get hmm. them um yeah yeah hopefully hopefully maybe eventually we could do another one um hmm. yeah still I thinking think about so. it still thinking I about think it so. <laughs> get people involved i think people Lots are interested planning. yeah let's plan let's do it now i know let's do right the admin, now, right let's now. Do the admin on it's the actually what this podcast is all about <laughs> it's just us planning if you um, have any ideas please email i know um but yeah. yeah but you do that and you've got your so let's let's talk about you oh my gosh because you have your podcast yeah she, plays, she games. plays games i know it's been going on for ages now like it's weird because when i started it um, I was in a very different space. I was feeling really alone because like what they don't tell you about being a YouTuber because obviously I was doing a YouTube channel with my husband, Daryl, uh, called Final Fantasy Union, which is successful. Like uh, I meant like it's 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 doing well. It's we have a staff, we have views, like we have sponsorships, like everything about it is like working well. But the hmm. thing is, is that it's very isolating. Hello, pigeon. We're being, a, we're being <laughs> investigated by a pigeon. I know. The pigeon wants to be in. We're podcasting. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, but it's very it's very isolating. There's not a lot of chance of like, YouTube doesn't do a lot for creators to get together and get to know each other mm. and network. Mm. And also like when you're working a lot on your own, it, it, you just, it just gets a bit samey. It gets a bit boring. It also, like I just found that I wasn't, I wasn't getting any, benefits socially yeah as i was like you know everything else everything else about it was working except for the networking aspect because mm. um we weren't really in the games industry we we're on the outskirts and but content creators we were doing a lot of different things compared to other people um we were in niche so like we connected really well with final fantasy fans which was great but it was it we really wanted that element of people who we could connect with on a content creator aspect so yeah i started thinking like what else can i do to sort of fulfill that aspect of what i want out of what i'm doing and um then i thought you know there's not really a lot of podcasts about women in the games industry specifically nope. like there wasn't anything covering it and i thought about the pain points i had growing up and one of the main pain points i had was that i came from a family that was very poor um, my Nana, you know, she was a poor Italian immigrant when she came over. They ate crow in their back garden. Um, my grandfather was orphaned very young. His uh, dad got killed in the World War II. So they kind of had one, w one vision of what you did to make yourself survive mm. yeah. in 
the world. And so for my Nana, um, who was a big part of my childhood, um, she, her views for me were just like a receptionist, which is fine. Like mm. I think receptionist is a great role, but um, I just, I was so creative and I had so much other energy and other interests that didn't align with that. And I'm also not very organized <laughs> and I'm terrible at that. So I was just like, you know, yeah. okay, that's great. But I just don't, there's not really, there's not really a, a place like I, I didn't know of like any real career path that suited me in that environment. Mm. And then my dad, bless him, was a single dad. Like he was single on his own. He didn't have the time to give me career advice or even no. look out for me career wise. Um, yeah. You know, he was, he was more focused on, do we have food? Do we have a roof over our head? <laughs> yeah. Like all yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. So yeah. I was really, I was really lonely. I was really left out on a lurch and a lot of things. Like I had a lot of friends who were very successful, went to really good colleges and stuff. And I always kind of felt like nobody really had any hopes for me because mm. they just assumed that I would just not, that I would just kind of be there. And like, right. if I didn't succeed, it would be the sort of prophecy that was in line for me from the beginning. Cause the odds were against me Sure. or, you know, who knows, who knows what's going to happen really. Not to say that my pa my family is like super unsupportive or whatever, but it, no. it it definitely it feels that way sometimes when you come from hard means that people just don't really don't really look at you. Yes, they 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 it came from their perspective of what they experienced. Yeah, growing up and just like especially like a couple of generations back where it was like the opportunities weren't just completely different. They yeah. weren't there. They weren't the same. Um, and it was a case of just like, well, this is what you do. You're not like, well, you know, it, 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 it was almost laughable to be like, I'm going to, I think I might branch out into this. There's nothing. There's I nothing know. It was like, I just need to hold this down. That's it. Yeah. And I'll come home and I'll put the food on the table and then yeah. we'll have our leisure time and then I'll go back and that is it. Yeah. And there was not even a, like a thought of like, oh, I really want to, oh, I need some variety in my life. I need to stretch out. I need to experience this or that. It, you know. I'm, I'm sure those were thoughts, but they were not yeah. thoughts where you're like, well, you can't, you know, we can't do that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, what are you exactly. Do? <laughs> like there wasn't, there wasn't really much outside of what you, yeah, outside of what you needed. And like nowadays it does feel there, there is so much pressure to be constantly be doing more, constantly mm. be more. People move all the time in careers. <sighs> you know, you see it in everywhere, you know, obviously the ones, well, the ones I, that speak for you as well but the yeah. ones that i see are in games and people are moving constantly oh my gosh yeah you know constantly and outside the games but yeah you know that's that seems to be the way it's lots of lateral movement i guess and just for whatever reason you know different different factors but um yeah. but you know that's it's just so different right it's so true and like i think as well like you know one funnily enough receptionist jobs are really hard to come by particularly receptionist jobs that pay a decent wage as mm, well because mm. i was an office man i was an office admin for a little while and i got paid crap <laughs> and you just sort of think like you know where is the career the career growth from that where is the financial growth from this and mm. i need more i need more money in mm. order to like be able to support myself like say something happened to daryl uh, my husband, it was just like, you know, I kept having, I know it's quite morbid thoughts, but I do have those thoughts yeah. where I'm just like, like, I can't support myself on what I'm doing right now. So yeah. I need to change. And um, 
So I was just like, well, you know what? I don't really, I'm in a good place. I don't really want that for the next generation of girls who are coming in to be like, you know, um, I have no clue what I'm doing. Mm. So what's a really easy way for me to share this message of like, there's a load of opportunities that you can choose from in the games industry. If you want to join it, that you can earn like a decent living that you can work up these skills in order to get into these careers. Mm. Like it's, you're not hopeless. What's the easiest way that I can get that message out. And I just thought podcast because I had been doing podcasts for years and, um, I had a few friends who were women in the games industry already. And I just was like, you know, do you want to just chat about your sort of life mm. and how you came into games? What what advice do you have? What transferable skills did you need? What was your education like? Like, how did you come by this thought of like, I want to be I want to be working in games. I'm going to get this job mm. in games. And, um, you know, the only other one that I thought that I could find at the time focused primarily on voice actors. And actually, like a lot of the interviews that I did in the past were with voice actors. And there's nothing against voice actors at all. But not everybody can voice act. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not the path that everybody (coughs) wants to take. Mm. So I was just like, well, I really want this podcast to focus on everything outside of that, like like more obscure career choices, biz dev, um, marketing, you know, um, programming, uh, uh, community management, Mm. um, people who are other content creators, streamers, like anything, you know, like anything, anything that is within the realm of reason that somebody can do to get into this industry and have a decent career in. Mm. I want to talk to them and highlight them in an effort to shed a light on it and be like, you know, Hey, like you, there's, there's so many choices. Mm. Like this is just, you know, just here's a load of women who are doing it. I started She Plays Games back mm. in 2019. So pre-COVID craziness. Mm. Um, and uh, I had my first 10 episodes and then the year ended. And then I just was like, let's just, let's just carry on. Um, and then as it grew up, I started to focus as well on initiatives in the industry and I started to uncover other initiatives and, um, you know, you have like limit break mentorship, which is great. Like limit break mentorship, offering, uh, people the chance to hook up with a mentor to help them get, uh, help them feel more confident about their role in the industry and how to go about like career progression and all that stuff. Mm. Um, there's code coven, which is a, um, a program it's an accelerator program that helps teach people how to it helps people uh teach people how to program games how to make their games and then also how to pitch them so oh cool they're really good at like teaching people about portfolio reviews and oh, stuff cool. and like you know when it's a por- you know it it's, it's kind of getting to the point where you know it's a it's a code coven deck because they are just <laughs> so brand they they are crap hot on their stuff like they mm. are really good okay um and uh, yeah, obviously women in games as well and uh, into games. There's so many puck and play. Like There's so many different initiatives that I've yeah. been highlighting on on the show as well. And I know like sometimes people are just like, oh, why doesn't She Plays Games do, do something as well? Like why does She Plays Games have a mentorship program? And I just sort of think like, you know, I, I'd rather just be the vocal point. I'd rather just be the messenger because yep. like, 
I mean, I am a mom. I have two kids. I, I have a very limited amount of time <laughs> in the day <laughs> in order to do things. Oh, yes. Tell me about it. And I it. would hate to do something hmm. like that and then do it half-assed. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Absolutely. So, like, I know people. I'm, I know what I'm good at. I'm really good at conversing with people. I'm really good at doing podcasts and social media and and being this sort of hype person and mm. creating awareness. But I'm going to leave those more intricate ideas to the people who do them really well. Yes. And I'm happy, I'm comfortable with that. Of course. You know? There's a level of organization and collaboration and availability that you yeah. need. Yeah. <laughs> for something like that. And it's, and it's, yeah, that's something I found creatively and just in terms of what I want to do is that work much better if i go right i'm gonna focus on this yeah this one thing and it's gonna make it as good as i can and i'm gonna you know yeah you got to be aware of your parameters right and you're oh my gosh yeah and then you make good things and you make good work and whatever it is and you know you can focus on making it uh useful and worthwhile in whatever way you want it to be whereas yeah spreading yourself thin like mental health wise like honestly Mm -hmm. that would just it would i know it would murder me yes. it would murder my brand like i i did get to a point where i felt like i like i was trying to do so much in order to yeah. in order to make it a more like universal place but i found that i was killing myself doing it mm. and you know as as much as it sounds selfish like i was just like i need to i i can't i i can't murder myself i can't like (laughs) you know i know that there's that whole mantra of like being driven and stuff and i'm like yes i am driven but i'm driven in the way that makes sense with my lifestyle yes rather than being driven and costing the other things that i love in my life which is my family my sanity and um just my sleep <laughs> yeah lo- love a bit of sanity love a I bit know. of sleep those are my favorite two. Oh, it's so great isn't it <laughs> that's my favorite two things i'd I have know. to say out of, out of everything yeah but also it's like i think it's a bit of a um it's a bit of a capitalist like fabrication in yeah. terms of like this thing about being like go go forward bam bam yeah bam, bam, bam. self and and and, and attaching not just in a money sense, but I mean attaching self-worth into this ability to be able to just ceaselessly drive forwards and, and constantly produce mm. whatever you produce, just constantly produce more things and yeah. and, and, then, and then build on that. And now the thing needs to be bigger and now the oh bigger gosh, thing yeah. needs to have more people in it and now it needs to stretch further. Now it has to go to America and now yeah. it has to go over to to the east and now we have to you know like it's this kind of weird that model is built on like a capitalist mindset i think where it's like if you're not doing that uh you're not doing enough or and it's not worth anything or if you're not as you say like killing yourself to get things out it's somehow less valuable if you're like oh i put this thing together it's good and i found it easy and i took my time Mm -hmm. (laughs) and people go oh well no people know but you know like but they do they get they turn their noses at it it's weird why didn't you get it why didn't you why not you working tool you know and this this this, these are and i'm not this is not me attacking people but no you know these are some people who would be uh against something like crunch in a corporate environment yeah but then they don't do the same for themselves so i'm speaking from a place of compassion here rather than going oh you know but (laughs) but you know and they'll go this this is wrong this needs to stop and obviously that's correct and true Mm -hmm. but then they will not 
do that for themselves, especially in a creative job where you are your own boss. Yeah. And you go, well, I stayed up till two and I um, I cried six times <laughs> and I'm about to be stung by a wasp. Don't wasp sting go me. Away. Wasp, go away. Please don't sting me. I'm making a good I point. Know. <laughs> Is it gone? It's gone. It's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Right in my face. I know. Jeez. It's like, no, I disagree. I, know. I, disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. It's a little capitalist wasp. I don't. <laughs> it's, it's a little nanobot trying to stop missed, me getting out of the truth. He actually missed the Trump logo on <laughs> him as well. <laughs> On his bum, he had a tiny cap. He had the tiniest tiny little, cap. tiniest little ra- make make bee hot colonies great again, <laughs> and he, he just went away. And he's away. He's like, get off me! <laughs> he's trying to distract me. How dare uh, you? But yeah, um, you know that that kind of not look not putting yourself into the consideration. Not even the sense the case of putting yourself first, but not putting yourself in there at all. Yeah, yeah, because like life yeah. is freaking hard. Mm-hmm. It's freaking hard, and it's just like you know. I, I compare it to like as well locally we have this really great Japanese restaurant right mm. like and they do the most amazing sushi Windy. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a very small place and I, I will admit I've had times where I've just like we, we've gone in there I was just like oh it's so busy in here you know it's so packed and so full like it'd be really great if they could just like expand if they could move somewhere where there's like uh, more space yes. or something like i don't understand why they don't do that and i will i will admit i did have that thought yeah. but then it got to a point where i just sort of thought like you know what no this is what they want to do they are keeping it at this this is help the the money that they're making is good for them yeah and this is manageable for them yeah and that is that has to be appreciated in these places like you know like they have a packed a packed restaurant like what there there can't be something bad about that yeah like they have a packed restaurant you know it's that thing yeah it's very hard to completely because we've been you've we've grown up with it and yeah it's drilled into you from all angles all day every day Mm -hmm. so yeah that is something there's so many little automatic thoughts you have like that where you go yeah why don't they expand? Because they could be making more money. Oh my gosh! And, and yeah. you have this look, this incredulous thing, and you're like, "What are they doing? I they, know. they must be crazy." Exactly. You know, like, why are they doing these? And I admit, like, I think a lot of it <laughs> stemmed from uh, a lot of it could have stemmed from when I initially came over and was like an American in the UK. Um, I know, like, when I first came over, I was I was very rode in on shocked. a massive horse. I was very shocked. <laughs> With your hat. Astounded at the availability of certain things. Like, I mean, it was so funny because, like, now I don't even think about it. Like, yeah. I, everything is so accessible. Um, but, like, when I first came over, like, getting something like um, a Bisquick, which is an American-style, like, pancake mix. Very serious stuff. Very <laughs> serious situation. Uh, but I was just like, you guys don't have Bisquick. How do you not have Bisquick over here? This is... <laughs> unheard of i'm gonna go on amazon and i'm gonna buy this 20 pound box of bisquick because i can't believe that you don't have bisquick and now i make my own bisquick it's fine but <laughs> like see you like striding around like a tesco oh my gosh in a, yeah in a gallon hat just going where's yeah the where's the bisquick <laughs> but it was that thing and like like pea milk was a thing for a while because my daughter's like i was just like how can we have like non um non-dairy milk but have non-dairy milk that has all the nutrients and i was just like oh yeah. they have so much stuff in america like america <laughs> has like everything like why don't you have it over here but it's like but yeah like the longer i've been over here the more i've realized that like 
it is it is this sort of thing that's been built in us, um, particularly in America, where everything has to be accessible at all times. It relates really well to the games industry as well with regards to like um, uh, with regards to certain games and stuff like having sequels constantly and mm -hmm. this that one's constantly and like all this stuff and people getting entitlement over games yes. and things. Yes. Like um, it's just really, it is a really toxic mindset. It's a case of um, something we discussed on a, I discussed on a different episode with Masood Milas. We said, I said like, we're still, it's a case of games being looked at as a product mm. over a piece of art still. Yeah. They're still kind of from all angles, there's still that, mentality that it's a product which is from like you know the 90s really like yeah when all the review when all the mags were like graphics seven sound eight uh replayability five yeah you know and uh addictiveness nine you know but they were they were always laid out like uh, you're reviewing a kettle right mm. it's that kind of uh it's product first the buyer's guide stuff and yeah and obviously that's useful to an extent because you want to know whether it's good oh right? yeah of course but i think that mentality is just kind of seeped in and it's hard to like rem like separate it from the idea that this is a piece of art yeah so you get like uh makes me think of um the last guardian the mm. the, the the way that people were divided on that and i like it when people are divided on things that's yeah. good but there's this thing of like no i like it i think it's great the last guardian but a lot of people are like but trico which is the creature that takes your arms and he doesn't always respond to you sometimes you whistle for him and he won't come or he takes ages and then the other camp is like yeah but he's, he's like a cat thing <laughs> so he sometimes he can't be asked and that's supposed <laughs> to be like you know but then obviously if you're thinking no no, no i want it to do i want it to respond immediately and i want yeah. the fluid because there's that feeling of it being a product right versus yeah. it being a piece of art where like well maybe it's okay to feel frustrated and that's kind of part yes. of the point to be like just come here. No, oh my gosh, we want to yeah. get up there. We need to stand on your head. You know, mm. but um, that's still quite a hard sell, I think, because oh as you gosh, say, yeah. and and that that feeds into, which is something you see in other things anyway, like fandom over like major series like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, yeah, Marvel things, you know, stuff like that, um, where it has a similar kind of people are people are seeing those things as products as well rather mm -hmm. than like stories that people have made where it's like right we want this to happen in the sequel and we want this and that and we want it to you know petitions to rewrite the endings oh my so. gosh yeah like do you remember like it, it's it's so weird when you think about the fact that like you think about stan lee in like the 90s yeah right and yeah. like how he was like a cool hipster like y yeah hipster guy to know like he showed up in mall rats and you're just like oh my god stan lee like yeah. he created like x-men and yeah. spider-man yeah. is like like nowadays like it's it's completely transcended beyond him yes like it's not even it doesn't even feel like he even had a mark on it like mm. it's so become it's so become just this monster beast of a thing <laughs> yeah. right like yeah. it's weird it's weird what marvel's become as like opposed to what it was medium almost right yeah like, like approaching it i don't yeah. even think people really think about stanley anymore as being like no no not at like all. even as remotely associated with marvel no no and it's weird it's strange <laughs> when you think about it that way like how he was how he was thought of sort of earlier on versus how he's thought of now mm. and um 
Yeah, no, it's, it is really fascinating. And like uh, to your point about like the frustration, the thing that drives me mad is when people, when people feel as though a certain character who is like a villain character or who has a fault has to be rewritten so that they're a completely acceptable person in society. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Like, I'm yeah. just like, really? Like, you know, everybody has issues, including characters, and it's the faults of them that make them human. You cannot write yeah. a character that is perfect. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Because no. that person would be the most boring character who does no story, no journey, like you have to have grime and grit in your character. I'm yeah. sorry. And villains, you may feel like the hate inside of them, but like I feel the love for them. Like mm. I'm one of those people who I love a really good, well-written yeah. villain, and I love their story. Like I love um, Seymour in Final Fantasy X because he's a bit of a misnomer because like a lot of people are just they write him off and they say, oh, he's a terrible character because I hated him. No, I did so play he's, um, it, I'm trying to remember a, who he the is. Blue, he's, he has blue hair. Yeah. And he's he's got a bit of a, a bit of a fancy voice. Right. A bit of yes, fancy voice. Yes, because it is so long. I played it That's okay. at the time and have not since. And so I get them mixed up. That is the one with... Um, Blitzball? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's that one. And Wacker's the guy who yep. does Blitzball. Yeah, yeah okay. Waka, coming back to Titus, Seymour. And Yuna. So Seymour Guado. I'm gonna That's okay. Yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna look up his face. So so <laughs> in in the Final Fantasy fandom. Yeah. The things that he does is is horrendous. He yeah. basically he kills a load of people, he's a thorn in everybody's side. Yes. But there's a lot of people online who just will like write him off and say, and rightly so, they just say, Oh, I hated him. He was a horrible he was a horrible villain. But I'm just like, but he wasn't horrible. He was just really well written. Yes. And he was a really interesting one. But yeah. he's not completely at fault. He is a product of his society. So yes. this is where I get on my whole tangent because like essentially Seymour is Seymour is half race. Seymour is Guado and he's and he's human. Guado only accept other Guado. They're quite a homogenous a homogenous race and they really look down on people who aren't Guado. Humans are humans and we also like humans in Spira they're like chill with a lot of people like they're chill with like the Ronzo. They're chill with the Hypello. They're chill with like a lot of different races. Right. The ones that they feel iffy on are the Albed. If they're, if the humans are deeply religious, they don't really like Albed. And, but they also really don't like the Guado because of how pretentious and arrogant they are. Yeah. So Seymour was born in between. Seymour is part human and part Guado. And his dad becomes the new leader of the Guado. So instead of his dad just trying to be like, oh, let's unite people. He's like, no, actually, I understand that nobody likes you in this community. So I'm going to send you and your mom to an abandoned island to live. And you can just sort of fend for yourselves because I can't have you here creating problems for me with my hmm. Guado bro brethren. I need to actually like be respected as the Guado leader. Yeah. And y'all are like harping harping on my cred you're 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 <laughs> just being like you're you're being you're being a bit a bit much a bit extra and um so he literally is sent to an island and is isolated from everybody else and taught that he doesn't belong in his own society because everybody hates him he doesn't belong in humans with humans because everybody does looks at him weird because he's a half guado half human mm. and then his mom decides that she's going to kill herself to try and save the human race by um, going on the pilgrimage that Yuna, the main character, does as well. Yeah. 
And so he's completely alone. Yeah. And I'm just like, do you not realize the amount of psychological damage that yeah. being being attacked by both sets of races that you should be a part of and then being like alone and isolated for years and feeling like you hate everything and there's yeah. nobody to come and rescue out of it. Like that is a poison that you just can't get rid of in your soul. So that's why like I I love Seymour as a character. Yes. And as a villain. Yeah. Because of that. Because it takes that much um, knowledge in order for you to respect why. It's not good what he does, but I, I understand why psychologically he has been so tra like traumatized. Hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, but that, so like for me, like that's that whole thing of like, I don't want, I don't want characters that are just cookie cutter, cookie cutter things, mm. you know, like I don't want a character. I, I, the point of the villain is to hate him. So you yeah. can't just like take him out of the equation and be like, oh no, I, I don't like him. Like it is just yeah. complete tangent. No, no, no. I agree. Yeah. That's, that's the point of a good villain is that yeah. you, they need to have a motivation for being how they are mm. and the point of a villain well, it doesn't have to be the only point of villain but yeah. one way of writing a really good villain is to make that villain reflect um, various elements of society around them and, yeah. and the negative things and the things that you might not have had to go through mm. you just see the end product and go what's with this person why yeah. are they like this and you go well let me tell you <laughs> let me, because of this let and me that. discuss <laughs> you know break out the book yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have a little read. Book of knowledge. <laughs> Boom. Slam the yeah. time, you know. But that's that but yeah. that works because that's reflecting real life. Where you might yeah. say you meet someone and, and you they grate on you for whatever reason or they, they feel oh, they're a bit nasty or they're a bit like this or a bit like that. And then you find out about something that's happened to them or yeah. something about their upbringing or something that, that will um, rationalize why their attitude is why it is yeah and it's like well you haven't seen this side of life or this ugly side or that oh my gosh yeah so so it's that's a good way of putting value into your story if your villain reflects various injustices in the in society that's oh completely and you're thinking about more stuff yeah <laughs> yeah and challenging things and yeah you so know you, yeah like you can't have a nice a totally nice no no. Or whatever, you know, it just doesn't work. Or, no. you know, you're allowed to not like someone because also they can just be a way of, if you want to write a more basic villain, yeah. they can still be a way of reflecting uh, an attitude that's wrong that you don't want to see in the world. And then the hero rallies against that. And, yeah. you know, it's, but it's then those like kind of qualities simple, can still really. can <laughs> still be present in a protagonist as yes, well. Because yes. of like all the conflicts with Abby in The Last of Us 2, there's a lot of people who don't like her. Mm. And it's just like, but she's not really. She's doing like similar crap to like the other characters, the other heroes. Yeah. But they just don't like her because of what she represents or or how she looks and all this stuff. And it's just like this interesting thing of like, you know, it's okay to not like every quality of a character. It's, yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Because you won't like everybody, ev every single quality of someone. You will not like it. Yeah. I think uh, I'm going to get a reputation on the show for ragging on toxic fandom, but it is, I think it is a quality of toxic fandom oh, where people so are going, is. but we didn't want Joel to die. I'm like, but he's, he's a dick. I know. <laughs> and like, again, it's kind of the course of a story because of bad things, I guess is partly, partly why, but also what's interesting about that, 
he says, doing a big point. <laughs> hey, hey, I've although thought of an idea. <laughs> the audio um, description. Is that they, it isn't as simple as that with Joel. It's not like, yeah. oh, he's, he's, he's not nice because, um, you know, his daughter got shot. Mm. It's not that simple because actually that in that prologue, he's already a bit of a dick. Yeah, yeah. He's already a little bit distant and kind of, you know, He's not shown to be great, is he? In, the, yeah. in that prologue, he's he's not he's not awful, but he's just a bit like yeah, uh, yeah, a bit distant. He's muddled. A bit, he's yeah. a muddled yeah, 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 yeah. But this actually kind of goes on nicely to why I kind of do what I do with women as well, because like I think you know, there is that there is that mentality as well where we're quick to villainize women as opposed to men, like you know, like Joel. Joel can be forgiven. <laughs> like joel like we understand his backstory and we just like are but we're also just slightly maybe attracted to joel or just find joel (laughs) to be just like we we just we end up loving joel for whatever whatever quality it was in him that resonated with us we can forgive him but we can't forgive abby because Uh, abby is just a Abby is just a woman who's a jerk. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Those societal attitudes, the difference in them were like, yeah, if a woman is brash or, uh, you know, outspoken. Uh, yeah, or, assertive or, and that or type of thing. Or, yeah. We're really quick turn. to villainize them. Yeah. It's like, oh, ooh, I, know. I don't like that. I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I used to get it all the time on Final Fantasy Union on the podcast because I'm quite opinionated about Final Fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. And um, <laughs> they, we, we did a survey once where we found out that like half the people who listened to us liked me and half the people didn't. Yeah. And a lot of it came from the fact that I actually had opinions on on things. And like, you know, you could, cho- you could choose not to agree with those opinions. That's fine. Yeah. It doesn't like, but like Daryl had, Daryl, used to say that he would hate like he would hate games or he would be just as opinionated as i was yeah but he would not get nearly the amount of 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 hate i had i had a guy um another another content creator actually create an award show based on final fantasy creators where one of the awards was a rant that he had about how much he hated me (sighs) and said about like how i was just so annoying and stuff and like it was really bad. Yeah. Um, and so you just don't get the same level of that against uh, against men. You just no, don't. You no. just don't. It's so weird. And I don't know why. weird level of hate to be like motivated to make a video is, I find, really weird. Yeah. Really weird. Like how motivated they are. I... <sighs> <laughs> That's making a big noise in the face. Like, <laughs> I know, because it is. It is. You just unfathom them all, isn't it? It's so obvious the reason, you know, because there's a difference between um, creating a spirited, you know, semi-entertaining disagreement. Yeah. So if there was like a, you know, for example, let's say he wasn't a horrible weirdo, and he <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he's and he reached out to you and said. Let's do a thing because I think the total opposite. Let's do like yeah. a thing where I'm like, "What do you mean? That's ridiculous!" You yeah, know? like you know, and like and have a laugh about it. Yeah, because that's like, ultimately what I do. Yeah, yeah. I get off on like just like complaining, but making people laugh at my complaints. I yeah, love that. Yeah, that's yeah. my favorite. Yeah. And like they even <laughs> set a Patreon tier for that they were gonna do a whole chronicle against our podcast and stuff. What? Yeah, it was really it was it was a lot. Thankfully, they've gone down the tubes now. 
which is a nice. Patreon tier. That uh, is. Yeah. There is a bit of vengeance. And S- spell it with me: G R I F T. Grift. So like, yeah. oh, and if you really want to stick it to her, why don't you pay me some money? It's I like, know, <laughs> but that was the thing. So like, from and right. actually from that. It's so funny to hear the 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 screwed. That was good. Huh? <laughs> it's funny to hear they're like they're out of here. Like, that's good. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Um, <laughs> One of the things that uh, that happened from it, though, that made me sort of realize and like part of the reason with like SPG as well, um, I realized like how I realized how introverted Daryl and I both were and how insular we were with like the Final Fantasy content creators that we were. Okay. So I made it a point of starting to reach out to final other Final Fantasy content creators to create relationships with them so that that wouldn't happen with the other ones right yes like so um we we sort of met up with this other content creator called final fantasy present and he's lovely really really lovely guy he's another video content creator um night sky prince um uh uh uh, there's there's loads of unaleska um uh suzy hunter like there's like all these like really big creators in the space in Final Fantasy mm. where it, like it sounds a little bit manufactured but really I was just like you know I just wanted to make sure that they knew that we had w- there wasn't any toxic animosity between us like sure like on the out like on the outside some people would still try to act as if we were competing with each other but I just wanted to make sure that we were upfront with that no we're in this space you're in this space too we love that you're in this space too Mm. um and it's it's okay so that was how that was how i i combat the toxic feelings within me yeah yeah. and we just didn't include that (laughs) 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 we included everybody else in the space (laughs) except for them yeah yeah, and i think it it really did work because like we've made such great friends out of the people who we've met we just really wanted to be that healthy space and not that toxic space first let's go back let's 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 pull back Strum. roll straight back all the way back to it's like regression therapist take you back now yes. yes the first first games the first experience of games sure when and you're there now <laughs> you're there in that moment <laughs> i can smell the plastic <laughs> and the dust coming from the cassettes yeah no um so for me it was it was Nintendo, weirdly, because like I didn't, I never owned a Nintendo console okay. until my Switch, okay. weirdly. Uh, but my Aunt Trisha had a classic Nintendo. Right. And it's interesting as well, because I think about like the first sort of people who were in my lives who gamed. 
And my aunt Trisha wasn't like an avid gamer, hmm. but she just didn't, she didn't ever like go any further than just like a, a sort of slight party trick. Like I can get through Mario, hmm. Super Mario three really quickly. Hmm. And I know all the secrets and stuff like it, it, it was interesting that she never really went back to it from her Nintendo days. Yes. Like at all. This um, is this is what can what interests me like why the compulsion fades with yeah. some people. Cuz like yeah, like she had she had the old Nintendo and she had a lot of games for it. Um well some cl- classic games. So she had like Mario 1, 2 and 3. Mm. Uh she had the Legend of Zelda which didn't work, which was very sad. <laughs> I would put oh, it no. in and then the whole screen would just turn pink and it just wouldn't work. <laughs> it's very sad. Um but then um yeah, so I, I played a lot on her console because I went to my Nana's quite a lot when I was younger. Mm. And um, uh, I just enjoyed it. I just really enjoyed enjoyed uh, playing through all the Marios. Never really, like, beat them, but it didn't really matter. I just enjoyed playing them. And then I got my first console when I was about six or seven. Okay. Um, my dad surprised me. Well, Santa surprised me with <laughs> a, Sega, a Sega Genesis. Mm. And so I got to play, um, he only bought me, uh, he, he, he only bought me, <laughs> but he bought me two games. He bought me, um, yeah. uh, initially, I think I had Aladdin and maybe Sonic 3D Blast, which okay. I know gets like a lot of hate. Sonic 3D Blast. Yeah. I know it gets a lot of hate cause it's like the first Sonic 3D Sonic game. And like it's, it doesn't play like a regular Sonic. Huh. It's like a, it's like a weird... A weird version of Sonic, but the music is incredible. Right. But I really loved it. Like it was Flicky's Island. It was just, it was just a lot of fun. Oh right, yes, yes, that's yeah. starting to about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Um. So you just had to collect <laughs> the birds, and but I loved it. It was just a fun experience playing that game. And yeah. then um, and but Aladdin, like the Disney games, were just oh, they were so good. They were so good back then. I think mm. I had like Aladdin, Lion King, Toy Story. Um. Toy Story was whack. Oh my god, <laughs> the amount of genres. Do you did you ever play through this? <laughs> no, go on. No. Okay. No. So the amount of genres that it starts off, you think, all right, it's platformer. This is fine, and then um, it gets to the point in Toy Story when you have to um, you have to knock over Buzz Lightyear. I think I think it's right. when it happens. You have to knock over Buzz Lightyear, and it becomes a top-down racing game <laughs> where you have to try and beat the clock to get to the end. It's like fair enough. <laughs> all right, whatever. We're cool. And then all of a sudden, the um, there's a mission that you have to do inside um, Pizza Planet, and it's first-person shooter. <laughs> and you're just like, where would that happen nowadays <laughs> in a game? It's just like, you know what? We're going to be platform. Like the first like I love it. 10 levels I love or it. like five levels or something are platformer. Fine. But then all of a sudden, yeah, they just they just got bored and they're just like, let's just let's just <laughs> do a completely different experience. But it was great. It, like, it was fu- it was hard as hell. Was it? But it was fun. Um, I love but it. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. There was a whole phase. There was a whole phase where like developers went, what if we like what's better than one game? Yeah. Like four once in one. What about yeah. if we put four different types of game? And you just flick between them, and then the answer was always, well, 
Because it kind of doesn't work most of the time. Because it kind of destroys itself. You spend less time making each one good. Oh my gosh, yeah. And you just get this like weird, like, what am I playing now? I'm playing this, I'm playing that. I know. So there was I don't a know proper phase on. where people were like, this is the future, man. Yeah. Trust me, right? Like, yeah. Four genres in one, let's do it. And it's like, oh, and, it, and I just don't think it ever really worked. <laughs> no, no, because it's like, it's like, you know, the platformer <laughs> bit was like fine or whatever, but it's just like, but the, the other bits were just. They were just ridiculously hard. But yeah, <laughs> like I mean I never really did it with the other ones. Like a mm-hmm. lot of the other a lot of the other games in Disney uh sort of space were all like uh platformers, like traditional platformers. Yeah. But um but yeah, no, Toy Story was just was just a a real interesting piece of work. Yeah. Um yeah. but uh <laughs> so but yeah. Those those licensed games, man. But yeah, they do like as you say the platform Disney ones. They work perfectly. Oh, they were they were great. It I lends mean, itself to it, doesn't it? Because it's you know it's the uh, frames of animation and it's yeah. just the same as you would animate the characters in the films, right? It's there's very little. Um, it, it translates well. Oh my gosh, yeah, and like it, they didn't need to do much to. I mean, they probably did do a lot. There's probably a yeah. lot of the game development design that I'm just, I'm just glossing over, yeah. and I'm just like, it's so easy, it's so easy, they it's just so like simple. <laughs> but like, I mean, they didn't have to do, they didn't have to do too much crazy innovative stuff mm. in order to make it be a solid experience. Like yeah. the Lion King was just great on its own. Like it was just, yeah. you know, it was hard. But I didn't. I didn't care that if it, it like was, you know, it was still a platformer compared to like Aladdin. Like mm. I didn't. I I loved both individually. Yeah, yeah. You had that compulsion to keep going because of the world and yeah, and being those characters, right? And and also the other <laughs> the other huge huge motivation to keep trying in those days is that that you those are the two games you owned. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, well, either, either do they this or stop playing. <laughs> right, I know. Like, okay. I know. But my dad and I used to go a lot to the movie store and and rent games. So that's how I got to play like um, Toe Jam and Earl and um, yeah. Earthworm Jim was such a great game. Mm-hmm. And um, and then as I got older, and this is the thing that I'm kind of getting sad about. Um, that's kind of it. it I mean, I, you can still kind of do it with. Um, I guess eBay and CEX, but you have to know what you're looking for. But like um, with with game stores getting used games, mm. you know, like that was the only way that I could actually afford to to expand my games, mm. right? Like, yeah, yeah. And I took a chance on a lot of games yeah. in the PlayStation era. Like, um, it was yeah, it was a good time, wasn't it? it? Was. And this is I love bit of old people reminiscing but like yeah that is just oh i just can't do it anymore but it is true you c- well maybe it's not true maybe i'm talking up my bum bum it's just a bit more complicated i do did like that period where you would go in to a game or or uh you know not not an official game store other other sort of when when that was and then when that was an option that there were independent games shops mm. like that which are just you know not really the thing now right I don't think. Yeah. Uh, he says, like, with full authority, but I don't think they are. No. Um, and they you are would, fading. You and you just go, you just look through stuff and go, look through a used pile or whatever. Yeah. And just, or just go in and go, what's this? And you look at it, you'd look at the album art, you'd look on the back, what sort of games, and you go, yeah, fancy that. Yeah. And it was, and it was a B tier, B but B level budget, kind of janky ass thing yeah. that, that ended up being like, I love this game. Yeah, it like, like ends up being like one of your favorite games. Like, yeah. Um, 
for me it was Gex. Like Gex <laughs> was so much fun. I loved his little one-liners because I loved movies. So like, the can't believe Gex has come up again on the I podcast. Know. <laughs> That's <It's> another. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I loved Gex so much, and like the system of it was fun too. <laughs> Good old Gex. Some people are like. I hate Gex. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. What? It's uh. Yeah. 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 Oh, it was so fun. He's a Scary. spy. He's a spy and a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> Who also quotes movies, which is fine for me at my ripe age of like ten, right? Like yeah, I didn't yeah. care yeah, if he was. Like, yeah. I was like, this is so edgy and fun, <laughs> you know. Gex. Now in oh. my older age, I'm probably just like, oh. shut up. Oh my but god, yeah, Gex. In my younger oh. age, I was just like, yes. That's so funny. Um, good old Gex. I know, but yeah, it was games like that, like games like Gex, Um Jammer Lammy I got because mm. it was used and that was, that is still my favorite. Like it's one of my all time favorite games. Um Jammer Lammy. Yeah. And like Parappa the Rapper and stuff. But yeah. Um Jammer Lammy was like the girl, like not, not being funny, but it was like, it was the girl version because yeah. it was a woman lead. It was yeah. a woman head of a, head of a rock band. Yeah. Called Milk Can. It was oh, it was phenomenal <laughs> rhythm game. I love the knowledge. Yeah, Milk if they can, remake that, I did not remember the name of the band. <laughs> if they remake that game, I would hands down buy it like day one. It would be cool. That would be amazing. But yeah, like it, it, the chances that you took on games back then, like you think like with Steam and stuff, mm. or even just with the access. Like I'm guilty of it too. Like if I see a game and I think I'm just like, oh, maybe I should just check the reviews to see what the the score is. Like I don't. For some reason, I mean, maybe it is because times are tight, but I, times were tight back then too. Yeah. Like you know, you don't want to spend, you don't want to spend the money, you don't want to risk risk mm. a bad experience with money, but then you miss out on on hidden gems, which Daryl and I kind of found. Like we we started doing a, some content on hidden gems in um, when we were working on a site called GamingUnion.net, and we sort of started finding that like hidden gems don't really exist anymore. No. None the same way. No. No, not really. The one that I always chose as like a hidden gem was um uh near Gestalt back in the day. Mm. That's obviously been remade now. Um because everybody loved it so mm. much because of Automata, but like for a long time I used to sing the praises of Near and yeah. people would just look at me and be like, Why? <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, because it had a lot like the the story was so good. Like the the world building in that game was so good, but people overlooked it because they didn't like the gameplay. The gameplay was just too basic or something. Yeah. Oh, it's starting to rain, isn't it? It's starting to rain. I know. What do we do? What do we do? Do you know? We, what we're going to do is probably find some lunch because it yeah. uh, it's lunchy time. It is food time. Getting a little bit. I know. A little bit. The saliva. <laughs> oh, the saliva is telling me it's so lunch do you wanna time. Let's roll. So we we're going to, it's raining. Yep. So we're going to stop ourselves getting <laughs> rained on thoroughly. And don't want that to get ruined. Yeah, yeah. And find a new venue. Yes. So we'll see you in a bit. And this is where we're going to leave it for this episode. Uh, Lauren and I went off and found a very tasty but very loud little restaurant nearby. And we just got chatting and chatted a while longer about parenthood, life in general, anything else that was bothering us before parting ways and going back to the kids to continue being the cool, excellent and extremely tired parents that we are. Be sure to check out Lauren's podcast, She Plays Games. That's at She Plays Podcast on Twitter, as well as some of the other initiatives that we talk about, which was Code Coven, which is the first award-winning classroom and accelerator for gender-marginalized game developers. That's Code underscore Coven on Twitter, C-O-V-E-N. 
as well as I'm sure you're aware of Women in Games Journalism, or it's now just known as Women in Games. That's at W-I-G-J. But for now, from at M-G-I-F pod, I'll see you very soon for another episode of MGIF. MGIF.